I invite you to turn to Psalm 98 in your Bibles. You can find that on page 688. I'll remind you that I want you to pair this in your mind with the words of Simeon, especially that vision that he prophesies that Jesus Christ is a light to the Gentiles and the glory of his people Israel. Psalm 98. Listen to God's word. A psalm. Oh, sing to the Lord a new song, for he has done marvelous things. His right hand and his holy arm have gained him the victory. The Lord has made known his salvation. His righteousness he has revealed in the sight of the nations. He has remembered his mercy and his faithfulness to the house of Israel. All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. Shout joyfully to the Lord, all the earth. Break forth in song, rejoice and sing praises. Sing to the Lord with a harp, with a harp and the sound of a psalm, with trumpets and the sound of a horn. Shout joyfully before the Lord, the King. Let the sea roar in all its fullness, the world and all who dwell in it. Let the rivers clap their hands. Let the hills be joyful together before the Lord. For he is coming to judge the earth. Righteousness, he shall judge the world and the people with equity. Don't you just love the scene of Joseph and Mary bringing the infant child Jesus into the temple? They had come to do what was required of the Old Testament, to bring a sacrifice for this firstborn son, sacrifice to redeem him in God's eyes. Their offering speaks volumes, doesn't it? It speaks of their poverty. They brought a pair of turtle doves or pigeons, since likely they couldn't afford a lamb. This was part of the provision of the Old Testament. But even in their poverty, something else shines through. Their faith shines through. Yes, they were poor, but they humbly brought what they could. They were depending upon the Lord's mercy and grace as they did this. And in this humble circumstance, there is an old man who comes up to Jesus and to Mary. And he takes the infant child into his arms. And you can almost uh, see the wrinkled face creased with joy and wonder now as he holds the baby Jesus in his arms. For it had been revealed to him that he would not die until he saw the Lord's Christ. This was what he had been looking for and waiting for with deep expectation. And so, as he holds Jesus, by the Holy Spirit, he bursts out in praise. He blesses God, the coming of Jesus Christ. During this Christmas season, I've called your attention to other precious words that have been given at the birth of Jesus. We heard Mary praise God because the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ was in fulfillment of God's covenant promises. 
We heard Zacharias' praise for the fact that Jesus was born so that we might serve him all the days of our life. Last week, we heard the angels give glory to God for the fact that Jesus was born so that we might join them, so to speak, in their heavenly praise. Today, we'll listen to Simeon's words. We'll listen as Simeon gives praise to God for Jesus' birth. And as I've been doing, we'll hear that praise as it springs up out of the Old Testament, and in particular, this psalm, Psalm 98, that I've just read. There are many other places that the Old Testament speaks of the coming of the Messiah but, and, uh, and the uh, kind of the missionary intent of that. But I've chosen Psalm 98 to use today. And I've, I'm pairing it with Simeon's words so that you would understand that Jesus was born to save you and he saved you so as to extend the gospel to the ends of the earth. So let's start with Simeon. Simeon occupies just this small portion of scripture, 11 verses, and yet his story paints a picture that is rich with expectation and hope. It doesn't say it plainly, but it would seem that Simeon was an older man. That's the way I described him earlier as a, in, this, in the introduction. And we can find that, I would say, suggest, from Luke's words. In chapter 2, verse 26, it records that it had been revealed to him that by the Holy Spirit that we would not see death until he had seen the Lord's Christ. And when he finally does, he says to the Lord, Now you are letting your servant depart in peace. That idea of departing has in mind that there's fulfillment, that there's been a long expectation, a long waiting that has finally come to an end. It's a phrase that has a picture of a man that has remained faithful on his post until the very, very end. He's remained faithful on his post for a long time. And now, having reached the finish line, he receives the prize for his faithfulness. And what was the prize? Well, God God rewards him with seeing the Savior, Jesus Christ. He rewards him with peace, the peace of salvation personally. And he rewards him with this thrilling vision of the gospel going to the ends of the earth. And I want you to think about that a little bit in the context of the the humbleness of the situation and the fact that here the Savior is just a little child. And yet, by faith and by the Holy Spirit, what Simeon declares is, is that overarching vision of all of Scripture that God is saving man the Savior, Jesus Christ, and that that salvation will go not just to a few, but will go to the ends of the earth. Simeon speaks of of what he is holding. Simeon speaks of him as, as his Savior, and Luke describes Simeon as his expectation and his waiting being for the consolation of Israel. That's a really interesting phrase, isn't it? The consolation of Israel. 
today, consolation, in my mind, mostly has a negative context. If you were to get a consolation prize, it means you didn't win, right? So you might say, brother got a trophy, my sister got a blue ribbon, and what did I get? I got this consolation prize. You know what? That's what consolation is about. Consolation addresses someone in their disappointment. It addresses someone who is in the midst of grief. If someone comes to you to console you, now that has a positive connotation, doesn't it? Someone comes to minister peace to you. And put that way, when you think about it, the gospel is all about consolation, is it not? It's about the peace of God being ministered to you. God extends peace to you through the gospel of Jesus Christ. For we all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We know that the scripture declares that the wages that we deserve because of our sin is death. But God, who is the father of mercies, sent his own son to redeem sinners. He was born to bring about that salvation that was planned even before God created the world. And when sin entered the world and death because of sin, God promised a Savior who would deliver us from what we rightly deserve. And that is indeed peace. That is consolation. And Simeon knew these precious gospel promises. He knew them because God had been promising a Redeemer all throughout the Old Testament. In a moment, we'll be looking at Psalm 98 more closely, but just think of all of those promises of the Messiah, God's anointed one that carried the people of Israel along throughout hundreds of years. In fact, it goes all the way back to the Garden of Eden and that first promise of the Savior. God was consoling his people. He knew the desperate straits that we were in, the death that comes because of sin. And all throughout the Old Testament, Scripture, God himself is proclaiming that there was a savior that would be, would come. And Simeon would have known these precious promises and would be clinging to them. And he had the added advantage, right, of the Holy Spirit revealing him to specifically that he wouldn't die until he'd seen the Lord's Christ. And these things were sustaining him, were consoling him as he looked for this expected Messiah. So even though Simeon probably waited a long time for the fulfillment of this promise, and even though there must have been times where Simeon 
looked at the days that went by and the years that may have gone by and wondered when this would happen. And even though, as he looked at the world around him, he could see even the people of God, the leaders of Israel, wandering from the faith. Simeon, by faith, was looking for the consolation of Israel. That consolation had an application to himself personally. And that's part of the, uh, of the first things that he rejoices in. My eyes have seen your salvation. Personally, Simeon could relate to that. Imagine what else Simeon would know of God's word in the Old Testament. Imagine him reading the prophet Isaiah and saying, My sins are as scarlet as blood. Imagine him trembling with the prophet Isaiah in the presence of a God who is holy, 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 and I am not. Imagine him singing the Psalms of David, like Psalm 51. Oh God, hide your face from my sins. For they are ever present before my eyes. Or Psalm 130, who can stand, O God, if you were to number my sins? Simeon knew his own sinfulness. And now he sees the promised Savior. At long last, Jesus has come into the world. Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace. For I have seen your salvation. By faith, Simeon was receiving and resting in the Savior, Jesus Christ, who was born to save us from our sins. There's more. There's gloriously more in what Simeon says. By the Holy Spirit, he prophesies about the gospel going to the ends of the earth. You look at Luke 2, verse 32, Jesus was born as a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of our people Israel. In other words, Jesus came to bring salvation, yes, to the to God's ancient people, the Jews, and he came to bring salvation to the Gentiles. That's a word that just means all of those peoples who are outside of the Jewish nation. You see, it has been God's plan all along that he is intended to redeem a great multitude, a multitude from all nations, tribes, and peoples, and tongues, all gathered together, praising God with the heavenly hosts, saying, as Revelation 7 does, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom, thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever, Amen. This was Simeon's consolation. The Savior had come to him personally and was at work in the world. 
was at work extending the kingdom of Christ and a, a, extending it in a way that blew away the imaginations of the, of the people of God at that point. It was promised, but as we so often do, our, uh, our imaginations are, are just too small. God's purpose has indeed always been to save a people from around the world. And for this reason, I wanted to couple Psalm 98 with Simeon's words. The glorious vision of Simeon is really just what God is saying throughout the Old Testament. You could look at many other passages, but I've singled out this one psalm so that you would see really the missionary emphasis that is part of all of Scripture. Parents, let me uh, suggest that, that this is one good way for you to be praying for your own children and inspiring them. Pray for their own salvation and be leading them to be trusting in Jesus Christ individually, but then stir their hearts up for mission by promises of God like this. Store them up in their hearts and minds. Help them to, uh, to pray and sing that the nations would be glad. So let's look at Psalm 98. Psalm 98 says salvation comes from God and from God alone. David begins by calling the church to sing a new song for the salvation he has brought. And he calls it new because of the extraordinary nature of salvation. It's something that has never been seen before and will never be seen again. That God would save man from their sins. And it's new because... David is speaking about something that is yet to come. He exists in the context of a period of anticipation of the coming of the Lord Jesus. Simeon had the joy of knowing it in person, the, the birth and, and, uh, and work of Jesus. But David anticipates it. Jesus had not been born yet, but he proclaims it as a fulfillment it is his, it is ours, it is belonging to all of the people of God because of Jesus, who would be born from David's perspective. It would be born in fulfillment of all of God's promises running through the Old Covenant. It would come in fulfillment of the New Covenant. So the Messiah would come, he would be born to save us. And think about just the extraordinary nature of that, that God himself is responsible in, in saving sinners. God is. God grants mercy to his enemies. He does that. God gives salvation as a gift of grace that means that you are not paying anything for it. 
is merely a gift of his grace. Who does that? God does. He extends his right hand, words of David. He extends his holy arm and his right hand to bring salvation. It's a salvation that's so extraordinary that David bursts out into praise. He calls others to burst out into praise. He says, even the creation itself cannot keep silent. If you look at verses 7 and 8, he describes uh, the the land and the seas and, and the heavens bursting out in praise because of this great salvation. David also says that our salvation comes from God's righteousness and his covenant faithfulness in verse 3. This highlights something, something that, that Simeon expresses as well. It's clear that you and I are in desperate need of a Savior. You and I cannot save ourselves. Try as you might, you will never merit God's favor in and of yourselves. Remember those words from the Old Testament? We all, like sheep, have turned away. We have turned each one to his own path. Our sins are ever-present before our eyes. But, here's the gospel. God laid on him. God laid on Jesus, our sin. He has shown us mercy. He has been faithful to his own promise to bring salvation, even when we are unfaithful. Here, can't you just uh, just feel Simeon's amazement? Can't you feel and hear David's amazement at the goodness of God to us? He would extend salvation. And I would say, don't just hear them, but Isn't your heart moved by this great salvation? Isn't it moved to rejoice that Jesus has come to die on the cross for your sins? I say that to those of you trusting in Christ, that your hearts may be stirred as well. I say it to those of you who may be introduced to Jesus during this Christmas season, or maybe hearing even today for the first time with knowledge what it means that I am a sinner, but that God has given a way of escape. Hear and let your heart be stirred by faith that Jesus came to die for your sins. Ask him to be your savior. Salvation comes from God's righteousness faithfulness. Praise God for your sins forgiven in him. That's not enough. As I said with Simeon, I'll say the same with David, that that the knowledge that, that my sins are forgiven, that your sins are forgiven, is is an everlasting joy. But there is more. 
God's purpose has always been to extend the kingdom to the ends of the earth, to gather together that great multitude, as I've said. In David's words, all the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. All the ends of the earth. Therefore, shout joyfully to the Lord, all the earth. Break forth in song, rejoice, and sing praises. Say again, all the earth, not just the Jews, all of the earth. That should make you think of the, of the New Testament language. Think of every race and language and tribe and tongue being brought into the worship of God. Think again of David's context. The idolatry of the nations surrounding Israel was was of the kind that would bow down to statues. It's not that we don't have idols today. Our idols are maybe more subtle. The desire and the the seeking out anything that is not God is, is an idol. But in David's context, they were the, the, the false worship of the nations are drawn together and the language that he uses intimates their conversion, that they come into the public worship of God to give praise to the Lord. And in his context, he describes the Old Testament song and the Old Testament music, the ceremonial aspects of worship that Uh, that were expressions of the people of God. And he says that all of the nations are being drawn together into this great expression of worship. Shout joyfully to the Lord, the King. It's David's word. And who is the King of glory Jesus Christ. He is the King of glory. David closes the psalm with a promise of the coming of the King. He does it in an interesting way because in verse 9, what you get is not his first coming, but his second coming. For he is coming to judge the earth. With righteousness, he shall judge the world and the peoples with equity. That's the second coming of Jesus Christ. He's anticipating the first coming and longing for that, but he sees in the distance the second coming of Jesus Christ as well. Or somebody describe it as looking off at the mountains traveling across Kansas, and you see the mountains of Colorado. What do you see? Well, mountains. But as you get closer, you find that there's a front range and a second range. David sees them like this concurrently and proclaims both of them as part of the fulfillment of a promise, a promise that embraces not just God's ancient people, the Jews, But even in this last promise, he comes to judge the 
earth, the whole world and all of its peoples. There's that, there's that missionary emphasis of Psalm 98, that vision of Jesus Christ's kingdom extending to the whole world. And it's a light that is shed not just right here, right now, but as the commentator Hendrickson puts it, it's like going up on top of that mountain and looking out at the light of the rising sun. Because that light not only hits you, but it illuminates the land all around you. And what David sees, and what Simeon sees, is the light of the gospel in Jesus Christ lighting up the world. Lighting up the world. I want you to see that today as well. This is why Jesus was born. He was born to save you from your sins. But there's more. And I hope you catch this glorious vision of the mission of the church to take that gospel to the ends of the earth because God has promised it. This is part of the consolation given not just to Israel, but given to us as the people of, of God. That it was too small a thing that just the Jews would be saved. It was too small a thing so God set Jesus Christ as a light to the world. David speaks of it. Simeon speaks of it. You can read it in so many different passages throughout the Old and the New Testament. It is part of the missionary vision of the church today. And so we respond to God's salvation by praising him. We can praise him, uh, you can praise him individually for the salvation that he has given to you. I hope that you might capture that joy like Simeon expresses. Uh, think of that first time that you recognized that Jesus was for you. Let that stir your heart today, remembering that Jesus was born to save you from, from your sins. And then as you think about that, think about the precious seed that you carry now to be sown around the world. But that is part of the vision of, uh, of the gospel. It is part of the, the great story that embraces all of Scripture. That the Savior is a Savior to all of the earth. And we are laboring towards that end. We're praying towards that end. We are asking God for this consolation that we may see it bit by bit being revealed in our own community, in our own families, in our own state and country, and genuinely to the ends of the earth. May God bless us with consolation in these troubling times. There is peace. That peace is in Jesus. Receive him as he is offered. He is the giver of life. 
He's the giver of peace. He is the light to the Gentiles and the glory of his people. He's the consolation of the world. Let's pray. Oh God, we do thank you for our Savior, Jesus Christ. We thank you that you have indeed promised that you will not stop until you have gathered together all of your children. And Lord, we know the links that you have gone to to save sinners. The Son of God became man. God, we marvel at something that has never been done before and never will be done again. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. And so we shout for joy. We rejoice that you have saved us, that you are saving that great company. Today, even in our worship, we are conscious that in Christ, we are caught up into the heavens themselves, and that in Christ, that our hearts and our voices are joined together with that great company and even with the angels themselves. We pray and long, O God, for the fulfillment of all of your gospel promises. Gathering in of the Gentiles. Gathering in again of the Jews. Salvation to the ends of the earth. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, let's sing the psalm together. Psalm 98. We'll use the B selection hope your face is creased with joy, even as Simeon's was. Psalm 98b, let's stand to sing.